complicated. This is the second part of Nachiketa's dialogue with Yamraj. The first part was the boy who asked too many questions. Today I bring you and look where it landed him. After three days of gorging on Yamino's pizzas in Yamlok, young Nachiketa trundled into Yamraj's palace like an inflated beach ball on visibly overburdened legs. After bowing before Yamraj, he looked up with eyes which had by now grown quite accustomed to looking at the world through strings of stretched cheese. He smiled beautifully and proceeded to open his mouth to tell Yamraj of the purpose of his visit. Yamraj hurriedly held up his hand. Now duties of a host were very clearly laid down and followed in those times. So in spite of knowing that Nachiketa hadn't gone hungry, Yamraj folded his hands and apologized profusely for the fact that his young guest had not availed of Yamraj's hospitality for three whole days. This was called good manners and both expected and followed. Yamraj suffixed the apology with the offer of three boons to Nachiketa. Fortunately for Nachiketa, he was fed to the gills and the thought of food was the farthest from his mind, else he would have asked for more of the exotic fare of Yamlok. His brain now raced, nay, waddled to find the next thing to ask for. The next thing that popped in his mind was that his father had looked visibly upset with him the last time he saw him. His eyes held the, wait till I finish with this and then I'll teach you a lesson you'll never forget. Look. You know the kind uh, which is pregnant with the promise of retribution for all those acts you thought you had gotten away with? Nachiketa winced at the thought and asked for his first boon that his father forget all his wrongdoings since the time he was born, all the wailing and tantrums and disobeying elders and eating what he shouldn't be eating and playing when he should have been studying, etc., etc., and that he should be welcomed with immense love as if he was the best son in the world. Yamraj smiled, remembering his childhood pranks with sister Yami and said, Tathastu, meaning, so be it. Emboldened by this, Nachiketa fell back on his old ways. The fact was that having driven away the Yamian, who was the guest house keeper, Nachiketa had spent three whole days without being able to pose his questions to anyone. Impertinence brimming, he now launched into another one of his infernal questions, asking the god of death how he could get citizenship of heaven. Now you may not know this, but Yamraj, before he was thrust into being the lord of death, wanted to be a professor of mathematics. But as it is with so many young people, his true dream was sacrificed at the altar of his parents' ambitions for him. They wanted their dear son to study well, get a well-paid job, do some key internships, and ultimately become the CEO of a company. Yamraj had done all of that, and now was stuck being a CEO of death. 
It is true that his department was the only one in Devlok which had shown such a remarkable balance sheet again and again, thanks to the multitudes of humans killing each other on Earth. But as work pressure and related stress kept increasing, the sameness and stagnation of his position felt like an ever-increasing burden on his shoulders. The true effect of which was that his vehicle, the buffalo, had developed arthritic joints. To cut a long story short, he missed the joy and solitude of solving mathematical problems. In Nachiketa's second boon, he found a thin sliver of opportunity to talk some math. So he explained in great detail the great fire sacrifice, which if correctly performed would lead a person to heaven. In fact, much to Nachiketa's impatience, he quite lost himself talking about the dimensions of the altar, the number of bricks, the angle at which they were to be kept, number of offerings, number of syllables in the incantations, numbers, numbers, numbers. All these numbers started whirling about in Nachiketa's mind as he tried in vain to grasp and remember them. The more he tried, the harder it got. And very soon there was a cheesy, wordy tornado whipping up in his brain in which random numbers were getting tossed about in a frenzy. Stop, oh stop, sir, stop! He cried and fell on Yamraj's calloused feet. Yamraj froze mid-number and was immediately transported back from the wonderland of numbers to this present moment where a young boy had fallen exhausted at his feet. (sighs) Clear signs of mathematical fatigue, which any earthling would have known, a common ailment of young people. In Yamlok, it was the first such occurrence. Yamraj's heart swelled with compassion and concern for this young person, even as his feet protested under this sudden onslaught of the Yamino's calories. There has to be an easier way to go to heaven, wailed young Nacho. Well, of course there was, but Yamraj was reluctant to resort to it. Um, But then this was an unprecedented situation, uh, so I guess it's okay, he thought. Uh, Just this once. So while asking Nachiketa to rise, he asked his secretary Chitragupt to deduct some merit from Nachiketa's father's account and add it to Nachiketa's so he could claim citizenship of heaven. These kids, I tell you, you can never tell what they will be up to behind your back. Poor dad, working hard to earn merit by giving away everything he owned. And this thankless son, stealing and squandering merit earned by his dad? Yamraj decided to take a break here and excused himself, ordering for Nachiketa to be looked after well in the guest quarters. His secretary, Chitragupt, had been waiting for him to attend to signing some papers of the recently deceased and those seeking a transfer from hell to heaven and appeals against those breaking rules in heaven and their counter-appeals. Then there were the minutes of the last Kal meeting to be signed, an agenda for the next Yug meeting to be poured over. <sighs> a CEO's work never ends, especially if he rules death, thought Yamraj as he headed for a shower. The next day, 
rested and refreshed, Nachiketa was brought in the presence of Yamraj again. The importance of a good night's rest bringing a fresh perspective was truly realized by Nachiketa that morning. Having been quite exhausted the previous day and with no appetite after the preceding days of gluttony, he had fallen asleep quickly and woken up at dawn. By then, the last remnants of the cheesy tithi pizzas had been assimilated by his system and the waste cleared by his body, like a surprisingly efficient government office. So the Nachiketa who rose that morning was a pensive one. He noticed his body felt lighter than it had in days and his mind seemed to be in better control of its faculties. He sat down cross-legged on the kusha grass in the garden and closed his eyes to ponder on the connection between mind, body, thoughts, feelings and desires. They say that one way of getting over desires is overindulgence. Inadvertently, Nachiketa had tumbled down that route of learning. The gross overeating and the resultant all-consuming sluggishness of his mind and body had given him a whole new perspective. His desire for sampling the food at Yamlok which had seemed so huge and insatiable when he left home, now lay limp like a deflated balloon. Life as he saw it was all about indulging the body or the mind or both. Was there anything beyond that? Snippets of debates at his father's ashram about whether there was life beyond death started appearing like Wisps of smoke in his mind, crystallizing in form and shape as he contemplated further on it. The scales fell from his eyes as he realized the right spelling of yum was Y-A-M and not Y-U-M. And that he was a rare lad to be in the presence of the Lord of Death. So when he faced Yamraj as his third boon, he simply asked, what happens after death? Oh no, groaned Yamraj, cursing himself for indulging Nachiketa earlier and making a note of putting up a no entry for under 18-year-old's sign at his palace gates. But this is just another stupid earthling who can be diverted by the promise of the latest gadgets or more goodies, he thought to himself. And so he told Nachiketa to ask for all the wealth he could imagine. Beautiful nymphs from heaven to be his companions, health and wealth for generations of his family, etc., etc. Yamraj knew that that was all the earthlings aspired for. But Nachiketa bowed his head and said, I know that however wonderful all this seems, it too will perish. And like a bite of pizza, it can only give momentary happiness. I don't want any more pizza happiness. Yamraj looked at him pensively, realizing that a whole different person stood before him today. He tried once more. Nachiketa, he said, you can live for as long as you want 
and even choose the time of your own death. Chitragupt was midway through filing the tax returns. His fingers paused on the keyboard as he stared up, startled. I am standing in your hallowed presence, and I cannot be content with anything lesser than knowing the secret of death, rang out Nachiketa's determined voice. Sweet notes of heavenly music pervaded Yamlok as the devas showered flowers on this determined lad, and Yamraj proceeded to reveal to him the knowledge which cannot be obtained by discussion, nor by sheer brain power, not even by lots and lots of reading and learning. The knowledge which only reveals itself to the deserving one. What? I can't tell you anymore. You have to begin by asking questions, remember? Remember?